I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you're listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. And today we are going to continue our countdown of our 100 favorite games of all time. Disclaimer again, we got to say at the beginning of the episode, because one person's going to start at this on this episode, and they're going to be like, these aren't the 100 greatest games of all time. These are our... Well, that person's just wrong. That's all, that's <laughs> but, all there is to it. That's fair. It's it's <laughs> all opinion-based. These are our 100, both of our 100, but two separate lists. Yes. Our favorite games of all time, not the most influential, not the, the greatest games according to the internet. None of that BS. These are just our 100 favorite games of all time, as of now. It'll probably change by the time by the time <laughs> our list is finalized. Yeah, I have a game coming out tomorrow that I think is definitely going to make it. So we'll see how that goes. And we are recording this as of 9-11. Look at that. <laughs> Easy to remember. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go ahead and get started on because uh, I think you went first last time. I believe so. Yeah, so I'm going to start off with my number 90. And this is a game that I know that we've talked about on the podcast several times. And you guys will probably be like, I think all this guy does is play MMOs. It's not true, I promise you. The farther up this (laughs) list we go, (laughs) there's going to be almost none of them. And my number 90 is Dungeon Fighter Online. Definitely a good choice. It is a good choice. And we've talked about it several times. But uh, just to reiterate... It is a free-to-play uh, Korean MMO. I think it came out in, like... In, in the U.S., it came out in 2009. I know that. And I think in the East, it came out 2005, 2006. So it's been around a long time. And it was produced by uh, Neopol. Is that how you pronounce that? That's I don't what know I, if it's Neopol or Nexon. It's definitely Neopol. Um, okay. But it, it's really just... Uh, an incredibly rich game for people who are poor, because this is one of those awesome free to play games, which you can take it as far as you want free to play because there is so much content to be had, especially at this point. The game is uh, is basically, I don't know, like a 2D brawler, like your average, like double dragons or final yeah, fight final kind fight. of game. But it's it's all wrapped up in kind of this anime inspired mm. RPG kind of theme and the combat is so flashy and fun and it, it makes it really addict, addictive to you know level up run through levels get new equipment and just kind of customize your character while also just playing with your buddies in this you know obviously just a a very fun gameplay environment that a lot of people especially from the the 80s and 90s uh very much appreciated in uh, gameplay back then i really wish it got a i mean i, I know it did get an a release on the 360 was a bare bones version. I wish it got like an actual, you know, console release on Xbox One or PS4 right now because it's it's really cool because the game too where you can pick up and play for if you don't have a lot of time for like 30 minutes a day and actually make progress. Yeah, and I mean you can even just pick it up for a few minutes. I mean levels usually only take three to five minutes at a time, and and that's that's nice for anybody who just wants to pick it up for a little bit and or like you said, play for a half hour, couple hours. You can. Uh, one thing, uh, because it is free to play, really the only limiting limiting factors that come into it is there is a stamina meter. So you can only play so much on one character a day. But if you create several characters, which if you're anything like us, you probably will be, will be doing, <laughs> you can play as much as you want across 
you know, if you have several characters, if you have more than one character, you'll probably have at least two to three hours worth of gameplay a day. And so. if, like you said, if you're like us, you have a hard time sticking with one character in most MMOs anyway. And so Dungeon Fighter has and... Dungeon Fighter has yeah. over 60 classes at this point. So there's a lot of options there. God, that's insane. I didn't realize it was that many. Yeah, they keep they keep expanding it. I think they released a couple new characters, at least one new character this year and definitely several of them last year. And each character comes with uh, three distinct uh, like ascendancy classes. So definitely a lot of cool content there. And it's just it's definitely just how like smooth the gameplay is, because it, it's almost more of an action game before it is an RPG. But definitely your equipment matters. Uh, where you allocate your skill points kind of depends upon the, the different moves that you can combo together while, you know, while you're juggling enemies or grabbing them and throwing them, all that good stuff. So it's a total blast, and I suggest anybody go and play it. you got nothing to lose. It's it's free to play, and that's Dungeon Fighter Online. It's, yeah, like you said, it's really Final Fight on steroids and with the leveling system because it's super flashy over the top and a ton of fun. Yeah, you really won't find a, a flashier, more in-depth beat-em-up game. Someone will, someone will be that. someone will be like Dragon's Crown is the deepest game I've ever played. I'm like, no, no, no. this is worlds better than Dragon Crown. <laughs> yes, a game that we wanted to love so much. Oh, my gosh. I tried. We yes, we tried. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. I think I liked it a little bit more than you did. But even then, it's not going to be on this list. No, there's there's no way it's not even it wouldn't be in the top 300. I don't think for me. <laughs> so. No, uh, that's still probably true. <laughs> All right, man. What's your next? Uh, my next one. We're going to our favorite developer in Konami. Mm, perfect. And, uh, segue here. I did see um, a demo. I guess came out on Japan eShop for the new Contra game, and man, it looks bad. We're talking. Looks like N64 graphics. Oh, it looks rough. But what did you watch it on? <laughs> oh no, I believe the it was RGT did... 85. He had I was like, gonna say the graphics didn't look that bad in the trailer. Was the oh, trailer? Oh, they did in the demo. Oh, so maybe the trailer was just absolute garbage. Was it running on like a switch or something? Yeah, it was. It was on the. Oh, switch. you said it was. Yeah. I, well, you know, I'm not going to give Konami any any leeway on that because it needs to look good, especially if they're going to do this like a third person action game that nobody asked for. Uh, it looked like just a straight up twin stick shooter. Well, if it's a twin stick shooter, that's probably for the best. Uh, but it, I don't know. It just it just looked as in graphics wise looked atrocious. I mean, from what I saw, it seemed like it played OK, but man, it looked bad. All right. Well, we'll leave the verdict alone <laughs> on that one. We'll we'll see because I, I definitely like me some Contra and I'm excited to see which one you got here. So back when Konami was making decent games and still employing Kojima, uh, he made a game that basically sold a lot of copies because it had the Metal Gear Solid 2 demo packed into it. And that is Zone of the Enders. That's not Contra or Metal Gear Solid. But it's still Konami. And it's a dope game, too. <laughs> it's a really dope game. It's a, a really cool mech game. My only knock on it only lasts... You can probably get through the story in, what do you think, like four or five hours? I was going to guess three or four, but it's okay. been a really long time since I've played it. It's a short game for sure. And that's but... okay. But now stay its welcome. Exactly. I was going to say it was twice the length. It might kind of overstay its welcome, but the combat in it 
is uh, extremely fast-paced, which is uh, definitely a good switch-up if you're used to the mech games like Armored Core that are, you know, just uh, a little bit slow and your mechs kind of handle like tanks. This is not at all like that. Super fast-paced, a lot of uh, in-your-face action, and actually has... I remember being blown away by the graphics. I haven't played it in several years, so I'm sure they don't hold up as well as they do in my head. But I remembered it being like one of the best looking PS2 games. I know it came out early in the life cycle too, like 2001, I believe. Yeah, you know, it's very to the gameplay. Let me get back to that before I give my opinion on the graphics. The, the gameplay is uh, basically a single player version of Virtual On. That's kind of how I always felt about it. It was very similar paced. Um, The graphics, I just remember the game was always at night. It was really dark. Yeah, it was really dark, and everything just looked really shiny, but it looked great in motion, like the contrast of the laser swords and the gunfire. It looked really cool, so it was very stylized. And I don't know how much money Konami gave Kojima to make that game, but uh, it was really cool, and the sequel's not bad either. No, the sequel was... I had a lot of fun with the sequel, too. I just remember I got stuck with a super annoying escort mission. I don't think I ever finished the sequel. Uh, Same. Those were ridiculous. Yeah, those are the... uh, Whoever puts escort missions in games, those people just need to be fired because there's no need for them. They're clearly not game designers. Not good They're not not designing a game. They're designing a headache. (laughs) You know, I kind of feel bad for Zone of the Enders. I feel like it always got the short end of the stick because everybody bought it for that Metal Gear Solid 2 demo, it seemed like. I think I would think I was one of the few people that didn't. I didn't really care that much about Metal Gear Solid 2, but I was super excited about Zone of the Enders. But yeah, it definitely got kind of like the, the Brave Fencer Musashi treatment when Square put that out uh, with the Final Fantasy VIII demo, which is another fantastic game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah yes. Zone of the Enders, if anyone hasn't checked that out, I think it had... a like an HD re-release for on a PS3 and maybe 4? I don't think it came out on the PS4, but it did come okay. out on the PS3 with uh, both of the games, and it's definitely worth a worth a look. I think it came out for like 30 bucks. You can probably get it for like 10 bucks now. Hopefully. Hopefully. So well, you could probably find the original Zone of Enders on PS2, assuming you can find it for probably a buck fifty. Although, although PS2 games I've noticed lately... I mean, I guess that generation's getting old enough to be able to afford stuff because the price of PS2 games is now skyrocketing too. I just assumed because it wasn't an RPG that it probably wasn't hitting that game too hard. Could be. I haven't looked, but everything overall seems like it's going up. So video well, games, good. I swear, they're the best investment. They just appreciate. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Zone of the Enders is great. Uh, you know, that'd be one that I'd like. I'd like to go back to because you know that's just. A good afternoon right there. Yeah, exactly. It's not a huge commitment like I know you talked about before with uh, Castlevania 4. Just going back to it, you can beat it in an afternoon and then you're good. Yeah, I need more of those in my life. Let it be said again. <laughs> I agree. Hopefully, Konami, get the Contra game right. Or just scrap this one and make a new one. Make it 2D. I can do that. I'm yeah. glad we got to talk about Konami. And I felt like we we were a little bit more respectful this episode. So bit. far, so <laughs> far. <laughs> Unless you're going to bring him back up with number 89. Oh, I'm definitely not. I'm definitely not. But this is going to be, this is one of our most beloved franchises of all time. And not just in video games, but also uh, in anime. And this one's going to be 
Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. Oh, there we go. You can pretty much lump Xenoverse and Xenoverse 2 into this number because, I mean, Xenoverse 2 is basically just a glorified DLC pack. It just added a whole bunch of extra stuff to the original Xenoverse. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Dragon Ball Xenoverse 1 and 2 were were almost like the first attempt at trying to make a, a Dragon Ball MMO fighting game on the consoles. And Which is it did just an awesome of, idea. Yeah, it did a heck of a job. And I mean, up until this point, my favorite Dragon Ball fighting game was uh, the Tenkaichi series. Uh, probably mostly one and three. Xenoverse is very much like those. The only thing that it's missing is the beam struggles, which is sad to see go. (laughs) But that's literally my only knock against uh, Xenoverse outside of um, if you don't like kind of that RPG grind of like going through. uh, Obviously, you go through the story of Dragon Ball and there's also like like alternative like time bending like alternate history type thing because you go through basically you go through time in the game like trunks takes you through alternate history or things that could have you know if things played out differently type stuff right you're a time patroller and people are messing with the timelines and you're there to try and fix it um so you go through that story but you also have like extra missions that some of them are like recreations of like the you know, from the movies and the the shows, different fights, but also like different takes on the fight. So, hey, what if, you know, like these two supervillains decided to match up against you and you they have these parallel quests, they call them. And you can you can do those over and over again, get experience for your character, but also uh, hope that you get like new clothing that you can customize your your own personal character as well as different classic moves from the franchise. You can get the destructo disc, the Kamehameha, all that good stuff, but you have to, Chase's you have to kind of Chase's crusher ball. Of course, who can forget <laughs> And but you have to kind of do a little bit of grinding and hope that you get those. And I know that can be frustrating and I have a feeling buck that that was probably one thing that irked you a little bit about it to a point. Yes. But I think that I basically looked up guides and stuff. I grinded because you train with, you can train with certain people to kind of get their moves. Well, yes, you can, but those are not ones that you earn in the in the quest. The ones that actually drop out of the quest, that's the only way you can get them. Uh, that's true. You did have to grind for some of those, because I think I basically unlocked all the moves I wanted, and then I just kind of stopped with most of that. Well, that's fair. But the coolest part to me by far was, like, when we were growing up and, like, talking about Dragon Ball and it was popular, we were in, like, fifth grade. Like, who would have thought you could actually create your own character and go through, like, the the Dragon Ball universe is something you kind of thought about like in your head, but you never thought it'd actually be a thing. And now it's an actual game, which is really cool. Yeah. There's a ton of options. Surprisingly, like you, there's actually a pretty good amount of being able to customize your character at the beginning. But then, like I said, while you're doing those missions, you can unlock different costumes from different characters, pretty much any costume, like any type of like shoulder pad or pants or whatever. And you can you can customize them any way you want. And also, if you played the original Xenoverse, you can actually import your character into Xenoverse too. Yeah, I mean all it's the nice touch. all the designs, of course, are done by Toriyama, so your character doesn't look out of place in the Dragon Ball universe at all. Besides uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, which is is now the the best implementation of the series in a in a fighting game, at least graphically, as far as I'm concerned. 
Xenoverse uh, yeah. Zeno, series and, you know, the Tenkaichi series back on the, you know, the PS2 GameCube. Those were, at that time, beautiful implementations of, uh, of the characters and also the animations and things like that. But all of those games were, you know, like third-person action games uh, where you, you got to fly around, do your special moves, and uh, kind of fight, kind of like a good representation of the show. That's what I was going to say. Compared to Dragon Ball Fighters, I mean, those definitely feel like more like Dragon Ball, though I, d- I usually typically prefer, uh, you know, 2D fighters and especially team based ones like Dragon Ball Fighters and Marvel. But the Xenoverse and Tenkaichi games feel more like Dragon Ball. As long as we, uh, people had gone without like good Dragon Ball games, it was a, <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air, uh, especially after the Budokai series. Uh, that kind of started the the tradition of at least reasonably good ones. There were some duds yes. in there, but I, I think I think Xenoverse the Xenoverse series is the is the pinnacle. I don't know what else they're going to do at this point. I mean, they've released a lot of DLC. They're just adding new characters, new moves, you know, like every few months. And I think that's kind of the best way to do it. They're kind of just making it like games as a service, if you will. Because I don't know what new things they could add to it. Because as far as I'm concerned, for uh, you know a 3D fighting game to represent Dragon Ball Z, that it's about as good as I can imagine it'll be. But I mean, really, the only thing I could do with the new one, which I'm sure they'll have a three at some point, would be put a lot of stuff from Super in there. Because I don't remember there being much from Super in there. They're they adding DLC. They're adding Super stuff via DLC. Okay. Yeah. But that that means it's probably not really story wise in there. Yeah, I don't know if they actually do story stuff in there. They usually just release the characters and then they release some of their moves and, uh, you know, some costumes, things like that. So, yeah, they they definitely might do that. That would be cool. That would be awesome from a fan standpoint, because I've played through the story of Z. I don't know how many times now. (laughs) About 50 times. Now we got Dragon Ball Z Kakarot or whatever coming out. That I'm not very interested in. They have not sold me on that at all. No, I mean, I'm still have keep trying to keep an open mind because, you know, I'm still love the series and everything. But, yeah, I don't want to rehash the same crap again. I just want to know what's like different about it. Everything I'm seeing is just like a cinematic trailer of just things I've seen in the show. Yeah, I don't know what the gameplay is. So until they show me that, I'm, I'm very lukewarm on it. But I like Dragon Ball and I'll take pretty much any of the games I can get at this point. And Xenoverse is probably the best one. Xenoverse two. Yeah, check them out. I mean, they're they're both relatively cheap at this point, and uh, you can get them on pretty much any of the consoles. So no reason not to check them out. So Buck, what's your number eighty nine? Well, it's a game that actually downloaded on. I think it was a free game at one time. PS Plus um, several years ago on PS three. I got it maybe twenty fourteen. I don't know if you've actually I know you have played this game with me at least a couple times. I don't think you have too much experience. I think uh, maybe like me, you, Brad and Dell or Cubed or something play at the same time. Do you remember Cloudberry Kingdom at all? Cloudberry Kingdom. It's well, Is that a it's platformer. A little, yes, it's a platformer. Where Is that really, really hard one? Yes, exactly. I, yeah, OK, I'm terrible <laughs> at that game, but I do remember it. You're atrocious. Yeah, I'm atrocious at platformers in general. You were, I remember because you can kind of all you can have up to four people going through levels at the same time. And I think there's like 350 or 400 levels in the game. But there um, just picture those Mario Maker levels that just have obstacles everywhere. 
that's basically from like level 50 on in Cloudberry Kingdom. That's pretty much every level. And it's just a, an indie game that I think actually got released by uh, Ubisoft. But I don't know who was actually, um, you know, developed by. I'm sure it wasn't them. I'm sure they just picked up the rights and threw it out there. But it's a really, really cool 2D platformer that is uh, really easy to pick up and play, kind of like Super Meat Boy-esque. And it's really, really, really hard and multiplayer and a lot of fun. Do you think it's harder than Super Meat Boy or have you played that one much? It's definitely, I've been Super Meat Boy. It's definitely harder than Super Meat Boy at the top levels for sure. Because the thing that makes it harder is um, your characters are bigger for one thing. So the hitboxes are a lot bigger and they add gimmicks to the characters on later levels. Like on some of the top levels, you are like strapped to a spinning wheel so you can't walk or anything and or you're ha- on like a pogo stick or have like a jet pack. They put weird parameters on your character, like on a bouncy ball, just to make it harder. Interesting. Yeah, I, just, I was just looking up some videos on YouTube. I was looking up like I saw people running through. I guess they were streaming. It took like almost five hours for them to beat episode or not episode uh, level 319. Oh, boy. It's like so a four I, hour and 40 So I will assume you have ridiculous. not finished it. Um, like you can finish, I've finished the story. I haven't finished all the levels now. Okay. The story goes through like level 150 or 200 and then you can keep going with levels after that, but no. And you can look at statistics when I was, um, watching like the let's play or whatever. This was from several years ago. They were saying like 14 people or something said the statistics and finished the level, which is insane. That specific level or all of the levels? That specific level. Oh, boy. It yeah, this like sounds statistics. like a game that I, like, never want to own. Because I, I, re- I myself don't like <laughs> platformers that much. They're not really my cup of tea. It's probably because I suck at them. Um, but that just sounds brutal. And I would yeah, lose the... my patience pretty quick. It's really cool. It's an easy time killer if you got people that like that sort of thing. I know that's not specifically you, but I've had, you know three or four of us together trying to get through a level and it feels really good when you actually make it through usually just dumb lucking your way through a ridiculously hard level. Yeah. The good thing is only one person has to make it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So if one of you makes it, it's good. It's also kind of easy to screw each other over and accidentally kill each other with more people, but still more fun. Oh no, that's for sure. And I I'm definitely in the minority when it comes to not liking platform games. So I have no doubt that, uh, a lot of people would be able to enjoy that, and it's uh, it's a budget title as far as I'm as I know, right? Is it yeah, like fifteen, twenty bucks? Like, I think ten bucks is all it all it costs. You can get it on on PSN on PS3, and if anyone enjoys Mario Maker, and especially those levels that you know the people create, they're just ridiculous. It's a lot like that. Obviously, well, the controls are super tight. The game's a lot of fun because they have to be for games like that, or the game's just awful. But yes, yeah. Cloudberry Kingdom, I would say definitely check it out. That seems like a, a no-brainer, definitely for platformer fans, and probably a game a lot of people haven't heard of, and definitely probably haven't heard of on somebody's top 100 list. So that's pretty interesting. <laughs> it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Uh, well, my game is probably not a very safe bet, being on most people's, but this is a, a classic RPG from the uh, Nintendo era. Um, the NES I, era? The NES era, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, an era that not a lot of my favorite games exist on. 
uh, nor was there a ton of RPGs. So there's really only a handful of these to choose from. And it's not Final Fantasy. And that is going to be uh, Dragon Quest II. Definitely not the original. Dragon Quest II took all of the <laughs> all of the grinding, mindless grinding, uh, the Dragon Quest uh, One or Dragon Warrior here in the states. It obviously didn't create the uh, the RPG formula, but it definitely kind of started the console RPG formula. And Dragon Quest Two expanded on it by giving you two additional characters that you would get over the course of your adventure, and uh, just took all that kind of character, you know, like monster. Uh, design things like that some more toriyama if you will clearly clearly that's all i like this episode (laughs) and uh just kind of expanded it overall the game was like three or four times as big as the original dragon quest for me uh this was in the time where i was like just discovering rpgs and i that was on the super nintendo when i started doing that i went back to the nintendo and i was trying to play some of those and most of them aren't worth a damn to be honest no there's a lot of terrible ones yes and uh dragon quest 2 was one of the ones that i picked up later on because i definitely played through dragon warrior and i grinded the crap out of that and beat that (laughs) enjoyed it but i would never ever ever play it again talk about just like an enormous time sink that just feels like a waste of time uh but dragon quest 2 at least has a little bit more story there, but at the same time, it also just has uh, more world traversal outside of just like, oh, I need to grind a bunch to get, you know, to the next town. I need to grind a bunch to get the next weapon. That way I get a little bit further. It wasn't quite as grindy, but I'd actually argue that it's a much more difficult game than the original. You know, it's kind of crazy how much Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior 2, how many things it established for the series and just like you said, RPGs in general. Like, Dragon Quest Eleven isn't really that far off from Dragon Quest Two. The character formulas, everything like that, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, the series has stayed so true to its roots. It's, uh, it's amazing that it's, it's endured so long, and I think a lot of that has to do with just, like, the rabid fan base in Japan. And well, even, I, it's kind of crazy that even so, like, not even just counting that, like, all the, the critics here in the States, too, they get basically the game seem to get, you know... Like eight and a half to to ten out of tens on each game, which hasn't really changed the formula since the the mid eighties. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because a lot of other games will be like, oh, well, you know, it just didn't quite push the envelope enough compared to the last <laughs> entry. And Dragon Quest totally gets a pass on that. I think that's fine because I think where Dragon Quest is, uh, where it shines the most is not necessarily the combat. I mean, it's just simple turn based combat, pretty much all around, and it's. It's fine. It's serviceable if you're into that. It's it's the it's the charm and the characters and kind of like the little uh, micro stories that you deal with in the different towns and the different townsfolk that you help out along the way. That was the things that I always really liked about Dragon Quest. Coming from a guy who doesn't give a shit about story and RPGs, I always kind of just liked the little kind of off stories that Dragon Quest offered throughout the series. It's true. Dragon Quest kind of reminds me of kind of like in in like episodic anime where you would just kind of get these one or two episode stories that didn't really have a lot to do with the you always have your main overarching plot. Then you just have, like you said, all these little short off stories in each town, basically a crisis to solve at every town you go to. And I remember that being 
specifically very prevalent in, in uh, Dragon Quest Seven. That's the one I remember the most for that. But uh, Dragon Quest Two, I remember the first time I played it. It was, I think it was Christmas break, two thousand one, maybe, maybe like ninety nine. I think it okay. might have been ninety nine. I got it for the Game Boy Color, the the combo pack of Dragon Quest One and Two, and I played that, and that was just. It was just one of those like awesome, like perfect situations where I like got the game like a day after Christmas break started. It, that's like all I played. And I remember while I was playing it, I was listening to I just discovered uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication album. So oh, nice. I was playing that and I was listening to that and they don't go together at all. But I just remember it was like this perfect storm. I was like, that's a good Christmas break right there. <laughs> I think that might have been. I mean, it could be either one. I'm going to say, I think I got it the same time, too. I think it was Christmas of 2000. I could be wrong. It wasn't Christmas of 2000 for me, because that's when I got my PS1. Okay. So then, yeah, I guess it could have been 99. Man. Actually, no. I got my PS1 2001. I take that back, because I was playing Ocarina of Time when the Millennium hit. I remember that. Okay. So... Yeah, you might be right on that. And you usually are. So. Yeah, I'm thinking it was 2000. I think we both got the same time because I know we were playing it. Because I remember it was weird that we thought the the characters that you picked up, like your your other characters, ours had different names that the game randomly called them. Yeah, it was weird. Like, I think there's like five different variations. Like, I had like, did I have like Earl and Mary or something or... I don't like remember. Beth and Frank or something. <laughs> <laughs> some, something ridiculous. I'm like, well, these are like noble princes and princesses of their their neighboring <laughs> lands, and why is, why is his name Earl? <laughs> just like, this is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> that, was, that was just kind of like a different time than like Pokemon and just like naming your rival after your friend. Uh, the game just thought, thought it was cute. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Dragon Quest is all, or the Dragon Quest Two. Actually, all the Dragon Quest games are very easily accessible uh, on mobile mobile platforms, which is awesome because that's like the best way to play them anyway. Because they are very very long games, and uh, you can get on the Game Boy Color. It was originally on the the NES, and I'm trying to think, has it been re released since that Game Boy Color? Oh, I know. Really? I did just hear it's coming out for the Switch. <laughs> nice. Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 are coming out. So far, only in Asia, but hopefully, you know, they'll get it over here. Because that was part of the Direct in Japan, the Direct that hit last week. They actually, that had been one of the cooler announcements, because the Direct pretty much sucked. <laughs> That's a whole other Was tangent. that the Direct where they announced Terry Bogart for uh, yes, Smash? Yes, that, that was the only cool announcement. That was a really cool announcement. <laughs> that was a really cool announcement. I don't know, man. That's Whoever a, is designing those trailers for their characters, I mean, they need a raise. Like, there's just... <laughs> destroying it just sakurai in general just yeah. needs a raise for sure well, i'm sure he's making umpteen money at this point maybe he needs a vacation that's a guarantee yeah he's... poor guy hope he's getting all the recognition in the world uh as well as what dragon quest needs to i'm it's getting pretty popular at this point i think dragon quest 11 actually sold pretty well so and you can pick it up on the switch now and get that uh dragon quest 11 and then replay the game in retro style uh, That's right. combo pack. I may wait on that one a little bit, but Dragon Quest 2 is a sweet game. Uh, totally agree. So I'm going to transition over to a game for the, the Super Nintendo, or more precisely Super Famicom. And it's actually the game 
that I uh, modded my Super Nintendo for. So if anyone doesn't know, um, like the only difference between the USA and Japan is the US Super Nintendo games have two little ridges in the back, and our system has these just basically um, two little plastic ridges. And if you get some pliers or like a knife like I did and just saw it off, or literally rip them out of there, you can play Japanese Super games on it, which still works on my Super Nintendo. And do you remember what game I'm talking about? The one I modded mine for? Ah, uh, was it the was it the Dragon Ball game? Nope. No, it wasn't. Was it wasn't one of those Super was it Super Robot Wars like three? <laughs> You're close. Super <laughs> Robot Wars four. Damn. <laughs> so close. Definitely a worthy title, though. It was my introduction to the Super Robot Wars series, which is I know you played the ones in the Game Boy Advance, which are really cool. Yeah, that, well, 4 was cool, too. I remember watching you play that, and I was like, well, I'm sorry you're stuck. <laughs> it looks really hard, but then, <laughs> this really game hard. looks amazing. It's a shame that all the, we can't get any of the license ones over here because of all the different, you know, anime and manga properties that different companies own over here. So they won't, basically won't let you license. So the only ones we got were the ones in the Game Boy Advance or the original generation ones with, you know, their own mechs that they made up. But yeah, it's just basically a, a Super Smash Brothers for uh, mech, anime, and manga franchises. And it's Except a it's it, a strategy game. Yeah, it plays out like uh, like Fire Emblem, pretty much. It's a with, huge... with a little bit more RPG elements there. That's true. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's... there's I haven't more... played a lot of Fire Emblem. It may have changed over the years. Just going to admit that. It doesn't have permadeath, which is nice. <laughs> it doesn't have permadeath. And does Fire Emblem have equipment that you put on your characters? Um, they have like swords and bows, and I guess they have weapons, but not equipment. Okay. But in Super Robot Wars, you level them up, but you know, in Final Fantasy Tactics, you're just guy, and they learn new moves too. Well, and... your your pilot levels up separate. I don't know. Do they? Does the mech level up separate from the pilot? Because your pilot you can train with different abilities, and then your mech you can equip with like different like guns and swords and things like that. Not in the fourth one, because the fourth one, everything, like all the, the robots are based on like their own specific series, so like all the Gundams, you can't give them, you know, ah, okay. Okay. like weapons from the Big O or Evangelion or anything like that. Okay, well, that makes sense. So Maybe that was just did that start up. in the original generation games or was that even I before? think so because like even in I have Super Robot Wars uh, V I guess it wouldn't be five the one that um, they translate in English on PS4 and it has like all the the license properties and everything and you still can't you know they still just have their own attacks and level up you can't like switch weapons or anything so that must be only the Game Boy Advance ones the original generation okay. Well, that's, that's a cool seems, feature. It is a cool feature. I like the fact that you could, if you got a mech, it was basically just like it was its own piece of equipment, and you had your own a bunch of different pilots that all had different strengths and weaknesses, and you could train them to have different abilities, and then you could pick which mech they were in. So depending well, see, upon you what you can were do that in the new ones, like you can switch pilots and stuff around, but you can't switch equipment. Like the, you know, like the uh, wing zero is always going to have its set moves and weapons you can't give it something else from another gun like full metal panic or any other show that sounds legit 
Because really, yeah. the only ones that I have a whole lot of experience with are the uh, original generations ones, and we got way off topic talking about the fourth one. Well, the fourth one was even though the whole thing's in Japanese and there is a decent amount of text. I mean, I could figure my way around what save was, and it's pretty obvious what all the attacks are. So it was definitely playable. I mean, I'm sure the story is nothing to write home about anyway, since it's just basically like an all-star crossover mashup. It would have been cool to read, but uh, especially at the time, like I did this in like 2000 or summer of 2000 or summer of 01 when there wasn't a lot of access to emulation really yet. And there was pretty much no access outside, like paying a ton of money on eBay for these games and stuff. It was like a, a whole new world opening up, which was really cool. And plus it's like, how do we get screwed over on such a cool franchise? Yeah, I'm glad we're finally getting access to them now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd love to go back and, and play the rest of them because after after playing the the first original Generations game, I was like, I'm already in love with this series. I want to play more. And then I look and I'm just like, OK, guess I can't. <laughs> it's, it's a shame. And that's one of the very few that strategy games that you can even play strategy RPGs. Otherwise, you get super <laughs> bored of them. That's right. Uh, besides uh, the Final Fantasy Tactics games, and I'm sure as heck not going back to the original at this point, I'd go back to the Game Boy ones. Yeah, it's it is the, definitely the one strategy RPG series that uh, I can sink my teeth into, and uh, I've even replayed a few of them at this point. So I don't know I don't know what it is, but I I definitely think a big part of it is just how fun the animations are. Like that oh is yeah, awesome. still in, even from the the Super Nintendo, they still I guess it's probably about the same as Game Boy Advance, but I mean the sprites and everything still look awesome. Yeah, just like each each weapon that you have equipped or that is on on the mech, they have just different animations. And then the 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 mech or the airplane, whatever you're fighting against, has its own animations, too. And there's just a ton of them, especially, I'm sure, with the the licensed mechs, if they all have unique ones, uh, unique moves, too. Um, some of them basic and some of them like uh, super flashy finishing moves that you might remember from the shows. Huh. Like, yeah, there's they all a lot have at of least one in. like signature move. They may have some generic stuff, but they all have at least one signature move that's unique to them. When, when I when I first played it, I actually didn't think it was that strategic. But after a replay of it, I was like, oh, you know, there actually is more strategy here than I thought. I mean, when you have to kind of figure out which ones of your units, you know, can move longer distances, have uh, longer ranged moves, which ones are... You know, just kind of accuracy and percentages and the, you have yeah. to try and figure out and play the kind of roll the dice, play the percentage game, especially um, not in four, but in like the, the newer ones, the one that played on PS4. There's uh, like team based tactics and moves and power ups and stuff too to add another little layer to it. So you mean like if you have like two mechs next to each other, one attacks, the other one will join in. So yeah, exactly. And they even have like like if you have like, say, two Gundams, you know, from like the same series, they might team up and do like a double team move and stuff. Oh, that's like pretty a cool. signature move from the show. Yeah, I definitely want to get my hands on those. Those are uh, the ones. The is it is it the Asian version that has the English uh, subtitles? Yeah, the ones that come out in like China or Malaysia or something that have English subs. Yeah, those are slowly getting harder to find and creeping up in price. <laughs> that's a shame. Yeah, you better jump on it now. I probably should. I, I definitely wanted to get the one. Was it T that just came out for the Switch? Yep, that's the one. That one looks really I, cool. And I mean, I the could, Switch would be a, a perfect platform. Yeah, I spent a, a good hour or two trying to get on 
the on their eShop to download it, but uh, I never quite got connected. So I haven't tried that yet. Yeah, I may just have to. I may just have to go ahead and buy that physical copy. So not a bad idea. But yeah, definitely, definitely a cool series, and and one that I wasn't expecting. I kind of forgot that we'd, uh, well, that I had played it a little bit with you at your place, and I forgot that that's why you dissected your SNES. (laughs) That took forever too. Oh, I bet. I bet you were trying to do that with a butter knife, and you're like, "Damn it! All I want to do is play." Yeah, exactly. Switch between me, Roy, and Monk. I'll try and uh, solve the thing off. Yeah, you went through a lot. You went through a lot of cool things to uh, play Japanese games back in those days. (laughs) You had to. You had no choice. (laughs) It's not like we were. We had the funds or the resources to import separate consoles. But we had the time on our hands in the summers back then. That's right. And you had a you had a crayon shaved down just enough to play Japanese PS1 games, if I recall. <laughs> yes. Dragon Ball Legends was a sweet, sweet game. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Maybe that's the maybe that's the Dragon Ball game I was thinking of, but I think you had some for the Super Nintendo too. Oh I did. I had uh, Super Botudin two, I believe. Which I think that was about the only one worth owning. And the Legend of the Super Saiyan, the RPG one was legit. Oh, okay. I always forget that they had those RPG ones, especially like yeah. that one for the Nintendo that was like half card game. <laughs> I always like just think about those. Like, I always just think of like the really, really shitty fighting games that we we tried to play. All right. Well, I guess I'll segue into we're getting through these here pretty quick. My yeah. number 87, another game that I've talked about to death. MMO Chuck over here. Um, wow. It is wow, yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, it's probably like the only one I haven't talked about that you know that I play. Oh yes, we got Dungeon Fighter on the way in Final Fantasy. So I'm like, well, get... he's not going to be like it's Bless Online. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't pay me enough to do that. <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, no, definitely wow. Um, what can I say? I put a, a lot of time into this game, pretty much over just like the last two years. Pretty much like I did the first time I played the game. I know we've mentioned this. Both of us started in Miss of Pandaria and we've played it on and off a little bit. I've definitely put a lot more time into it than you have. Oh, for sure. There's something very special about the game and the fact that it's it's now, you know, been pretty much on top of the uh, MMO leaderboard here for the last 15 years. They uh, just recently celebrated their 15 year anniversary and then obviously the release of uh, WoW Classic. So it's getting we, phenomenal reviews and like everyone's praising it, which I'm I'm kind of surprised. Yeah, we didn't even want it. Right. <laughs> we didn't even want it. No, it's uh, I got a chance to I got a chance to play it uh, last week. Uh, I played it for, you know, the probably 10, 15 hours. And uh, it was very interesting to see what the game was way, way, way back before I, I played it. And it it's. It kind of makes sense why people are interested in that iteration of the game because just so much has just been lopped off of it, especially from on the just like RPG aspects in general. The game has become such like a fast paced do this many things to get a reward as opposed to exploring the world, doing, you know, medium to long quest chains that can be challenging and make you actually think and like read the story to actually figure out where you need to go. It's more of an adventure, and at the end, you get that reward, as opposed to, hey, check off all these boxes, here's a random piece of loot. 
you did your dailies. Yeah, it does get to say now too that if you're you're playing online, it's you nail your rotation perfectly, or you get kicked from a group. Well, that too, and the rotations are like five buttons. So, yeah, like a five button rotation, and then everything else is just like half of its useless utility spells, like slows and roots and things like that, that the game doesn't even require you to use anymore. But in in classic, those those were all very very useful. And uh, the game was much more difficult and unforgiving and, you know, partying with other players, even just temporarily for one quest was very, very useful. And I mean, I just from the week that I played, I only made it up to like level 13. And, you know, I was running around and, you know, you'd you'd run by somebody just like on a random trail to a town and they'd they'd run past you, uh, but, but they'd stop and they'd cast some random buff on you because like every class has you know, their own utility that they bring to a party and everybody knows that they are, they're having a you know hard time of it because the game is very challenging. So they stop, they cast a buff on you, you cast a buff on them and then you go on. Um, sometimes they'll say, hey, or, you know, when people are, you know, doing a quest and kind of like waiting for a spawn to pop up, people will uh, invite you to a group so you can, you can go ahead and complete it too. But they'll also just chat and, you know, ask how you're enjoying the game, you know, what's up, things like that. I can log on to BFA, uh, and if anybody doesn't know what that is, that's just Retail WoW, Battle for Azeroth. I can log on. I literally don't see anybody chatting, ever. Never stop. No, There's no reason are... to do it. Plus, the the uh, community in, in BFA, especially, like the WoW community now is known just being for super toxic and cancerous. And it's kind of nice that the uh, the community sounds like in Classic are pretty welcoming. Well, yeah, they, they definitely are. I think... For one thing, since the game is new, they expect that everybody's just kind of, you know, you know, trying to enjoy the experience, whether they play it or not. I mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of new people experiencing it for the first time, but there's also people who, you know, stopped after maybe uh, Wrath of the Lich King, the third expansion, and they're just like, I'm done with the game. But now they've come back, you know, 10 years later and they're like, oh, yeah, I want to. I want to, you know, play with my friends that I did back then. And they're just like, yeah, this is what I remember. And I remember it was difficult. I'll be patient with these other people, help them out. That that's very cool to see that. And I, you know, people online were telling me that that was most likely going to be the case. That was part of the the mystique of, of vanilla or classic, if you will. And uh, I wasn't sure I was going to see it, but it was very cool that that did happen. It definitely made me appreciate the differences in the way the game has evolved over the years into something completely different. Well, I, I look at it kind of almost in a weird parallel, kind of like uh, kind of like Dragon Ball Z. That okay, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> at the very beginning, you know, everyone's power levels weren't off the charts, and everyone was kind of useful. And then by the end, you know, your characters, your Piccolo, your Krillins, your Tien's. Everyone just been so power creeped. It was just completely different than kind of what we started with. And I could see where it'd be kind of nice to go back where to where all the you know utility and useful spells and stuff and classes were actually useful again. Everything wasn't power creeped to death and super bloated. Yeah, I, that I and understand that. No, absolutely, and that's cool. And the fact that from going back, I can definitely see. You know, you you hear the complaints where they're like, well, they've They've kind of like castrated all the classes and, you know, how they're they're separated into their uh, their different roles 
or not not so much their roles, but I should say, uh, what is it? They're I mean, it's kind well, of their roles. They're three unique, uh, like, yeah, basically roles, I'll call them. There's the classes, and they all have their each unique set. Like, there's the, like, Holy Paladin, and then the frickin' Protection, and then um, Ret, Ret, Ret Paladin, Paladin for DPS, yeah. Yeah, that's basically what I'm getting at. You have these three specializations that you can, you can switch between, and they, they have different abilities associated with them. The cool thing about Vanilla is, is that I didn't understand is that you don't have those. You don't have those separation. Your character, be it a warrior or a paladin, can learn all of their moves, and they can have them all at the same time, assuming you can afford to you know, buy them and level them up. But you do have a specialization tree, which still has those three uh, class separations where you put points in, and it kind of bolsters your abilities numerically, or you do get a couple of other uh, new unique talents and things like that. But you... But it's just that it augments what you what you have, but you have all of those abilities, be it so first for example, like I play Warrior. I have abilities for arms, fury, and protection, and I can use all of those all the time. It doesn't matter what specialization I am or what I talented into in my skill tree. So um, I can use those at any time and, and the way that at least in vanilla they separated was you go in but you dance in between different stances that unlock the different abilities but you do it in combat so you have access to that all on the fly Um, and I know the warrior is the only one that actually has stances but that's the same for all the classes you get all the abilities and you just use what you want and uh, that's cool that you kind of use you build your own character the way you want because you can't afford everything because you know resources and money it's, it's all very very uncommon and it's not like you're getting 200 gold from a quest anymore it's very interesting just to take a look back uh, to see where the game came from and i definitely appreciate it more and wish they would implement some of that stuff bring it back but i think it would probably be hard in the uh uh the state the game's in right now it's definitely an interesting kind of play it's cool you can play both sides of the coin from classic and you know current bfa with the sub so that's cool yeah. too yeah, with the sub, and I thought this was interesting. You may have heard this. If you hit level 60 in Classic, they give you BFA free. Really? <laughs> yeah, they do. So they're like... Uh, That's some smart marketing. Yeah, well, it, it in a way it is. Yeah, if, if this person is willing to be that dedicated to hit level 60 in Classic, which is much more difficult than hitting max level in BFA, even though it probably even takes more time, um, which I feel like is going to be a very small percentage of the people who are actually trying it mm-hmm. well here you can have more of a game that you may think is inferior i think there are actually two different experiences and i think there is a market for both of them blizzard would do well to learn from you know basically the reaction they're getting from vanilla and how many people are p- playing it and continuing to play it we'll see how that goes over time i mean it's only been out for what two weeks two weeks but, yeah but they should definitely uh take notice and understand why people are excited for this and why BFA is not exciting them at all. Well, this is the first good publicity they've gotten in years since Legion, so... Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. They should. They did a good job. I mean, they didn't they didn't mess anything up, and they're 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 treating the they've been treating the release with respect. They're getting more servers out there. I know they somehow they weren't ready for the amount of people that decided to jump on because there was like 16 hour queues 
that first week, especially if you're on a high pop server. But yeah, but just uh, to circle it kind of back around the beginning. I mean, WoW is the one of those games where I mean, I played it and everyone thinks like, like I'm not gonna get addicted to it. Like I don't see how these people do. And then once you get in the the loop, the kind of the feedback loop, or whatever I would call it, it's really easy to see why people did get addicted because it is very addicting and it's a it's a great game. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I said it at the beginning of the episode. Like these are our top hundred favorite games, not you know the most influential. But if we were going to do that, you would have to put WoW in the top 10. Mm-hmm, no question. For sure. It's, it's been made around the for whole 15, genre, basically. Yeah, it's been around for 15 years. Just this one game, expansion every couple of years. That's incredible. We've never seen any other MMO do anything like that. And most games don't have that kind of staying power at all. Even though I know MMOs are a little different of a beast. But I mean, it's essentially the Mario of MMOs. <laughs> basically. Basically, Miyamoto is proud yes. or was proud. I don't know, <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a fantastic game, no doubt. And uh, what's your next one? Uh, we are taking things back to the good old GameCube. And it's another one of the uh, the launch titles I got with it. The other one I got with Luigi's Mansion, and that's going to be a good old Super Monkey Ball. There's a game right there. <laughs> that is a game. That's true. <laughs> great description yeah it's it's an awesome party game actually it's a good one to pick up uh, my mom actually put a decent amount of time into it had a good time with it and she doesn't really play video games so that she kind of tell you um where it's at yeah i think it's, it's actually, actually a better experience in multiplayer even though that's not exactly what the game was designed around Oh, I think it's a thousand percent better. Plus, you can do the multiplayer. I mean, you can go through the the story mode, the one player mode with up to four people anyway. Um, besides just the multiplayer games when you're against each other, they're actually a lot of fun with like golf and and billiards and stuff like that. But yeah, the uh, the essential one player story mode you can go through with four people. And uh, what the game is, if anyone doesn't know. It's actually getting a, there's a version of it getting re-released here soon, so that's cool. But you are a monkey that's in a ball. In a ball. <laughs> yes. And it's a game. And you're pretty super. Yeah. <laughs> you roll around on a course, um, kind of like if anyone's played Marble Madness for the NES, If you so you're probably pretty old like us, but <laughs> anyone's used to that, or even those, uh, those like board games of like Labyrinth where you kind of tilt the board for the little marble to roll through the course. That's exactly what Super Monkey Ball is. It seems like you're controlling a monkey. Apparently you're actually controlling the board and tilting it to make the monkey move around and get to the uh, finish line in every single course. And there's like an easy, normal, hard, and expert mode. And of course the courses get harder and harder, which apparently is a, a theme of my games this week of games that get ridiculously hard by the end. Super Monkey Ball is hours, and a guy poured, I don't know how much time we poured into that game, but it's there's something for uh, the super casual audience, and then the really hardcore audience, and it's a sweet party and multiplayer game, so pretty much has it all. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very pure experience, like literally, at least on the, the single player front. The the concept is very easy to grasp. I think literally all you use is the, the joystick. Um, 
But I don't remember. Is there like a break button? There might be. No. In uh, in single player, all you use is a joystick. I mean, the other games, there's like monkey target, monkey fight, golf. You use different buttons for power-ups and to, you know, hit the golf ball and stuff. But in single player, yeah, it's just a left stick. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's basically just a maze. Get the Get the monkey to the finish line. And, you know, it starts off pretty easy. But man, it ramps up and gets really complex and really tough. It reminds me a lot of trying to play like if they made Rainbow Road on Mario Kart 64, like super difficult. Because <laughs> uh, if, if I recall, most of the levels don't have any ledges at all on the course. And usually the difficult things came with trying to get the monkey around like these really thin uh, platforms across them and w- with trying to keep like the proper pace and not wiggling around too much. Yeah, it's definitely super, a game of huge amounts of skill. Yeah, super thin platforms and a lot of times they'll have you on a slope so you're going downhill and then you gain momentum and your dude starts going faster and faster and then you can't control him or make him turn. Or It's a ridiculously um, easy to grasp and high skill cap game. Yeah, I'd say the uh, the the big drawback or the worst part of it would be that it definitely skews toward multiplayer experience. Yeah, I don't even think it it was supposed to. Like, I feel like those many games that they uh, they added to the game, which are awesome, pretty much all of them. I don't, I can't think of one of them that wasn't cool. But like, it, it it was basically kind of just like a Mario Party Light where they had, like, I don't know, like, eight to ten mini games that were just, like, super fun to play. And uh, the fact that they're all really simple and you can play with four people really easy on the GameCube definitely makes that uh, the more interesting gameplay uh, opportunity. Especially, I mean, like, almost all Nintendo consoles. I mean, those are, like, multiplayer machines. Yeah, and for sure. So you, you really can't go wrong there. Uh, I'm trying to remember which uh, game was my favorite. Might have been billiards, but I could be wrong. I think we played a decent amount of Target, too, where you, like, launch your dude off a cliff, and then you had to glide to get, like, into a certain power-up range, or, like, almost Yeah, like that was, the... like, that was like high-stakes golf, if I remember Kinda. correctly. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. Uh, like, the price is right or something, you have to, like, plinko, where you have to drop down the right spot. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's a really fun game, and how many sequels have they had to that? At this point, not enough. I have one and two on the GameCube, and then I think it switched over to the Wii, and they had one or two on there. And I think they're re-releasing one of the Wii ones that had all motion controls, so I didn't like it. But now it doesn't have motion controls, so we'll see what happens. I I think they had one on Game Boy Advance or like DS too, one or two. Yeah, that that that's probably fair. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that with. A Wii mode that sounds incredibly frustrating. Yeah, especially that came out fairly early on before like the Wii Motion Plus, the only one that even somewhat worked. Yeah, there was you know the early Wii remotes without the little the little Wii jacket Wii condom thing didn't really have any kind of accuracy accuracy whatsoever. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, I can't even imagine. I don't even I wouldn't even want to try to do that at this point. I didn't like Wii Motion in general in most games. I was like, oh, can I flip it over and do it NES style, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ugh. But nope. Yeah, but the GameCube controller was awesome for it. 
yeah, it was just a, a super fun game. And one of the games I put, the, I think, the most time into, probably one of my top two or three GameCube games I poured the most time into. So, I mean, the second one's great, too. I just put more time into the first one. So that's why it's getting a spot. Yeah, no doubt. My next one is a GameCube title as well. Oh, well, nice. since the last actually, one of the day for you, isn't it? It is. That's actually also on the Xbox and the PS2, but everyone talks about the GameCube version. Hmm. It's on all of them. It's on all of them, and I owned all of them. And the Soul reason... Soul Calibur 2. That's right. <laughs> it was all, all about Soul Calibur 2 and getting Link as a guest character, which was a pretty cool entry, don't get me wrong. But uh, Soul Calibur 2, man, what do you what do you say about that? It just it took everything that the original uh, Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast did and just like cranked it up to 11. Ah, such a good game. Multiplayer, single player, the whole deal. Yeah, definitely one of my most cherished uh, 3D fighting games. It maybe might be pretty close to the top there for me. Soul Calibur, it just. Compared to like most 3D fighting games, maybe minus Tekken, it's very approachable for new players. You can definitely uh, button mash your way to victory in that one. But there is a lot of technical depth there if you're willing to learn it. If you're willing to actually block. I mean, Soul Calibur 2 introduced a, a ton of new characters from the first game. I think the first game had like 12 characters, and this one had mm, between maybe 25 and 30 I want to say, but uh, the coolest thing, I think this was the first game that ever, is this the first game that ever did uh, like guest characters in this way, especially like console exclusives? I think it must be. I think so. And yeah, definitely for, for fighting game guest character console exclusive things, it has to be. Yeah. And that was, that was a really cool feature. And pretty much the only reason why I ever owned it on all the consoles. Uh, so obviously, like I said, the GameCube, they had Link from Legend of Zelda. PS2 had Hihachi from Tekken. That was and, Yeah, and Xbox had Spawn, which was a very interesting inclusion, and pretty cool one, too. I thought he was pretty awesome. Oh, for but sure. Did, did you ever hear this? I've read this today, actually, when I was doing a little bit of research on it. Did you know that Cloud was actually planned to be the PS2 one, but the licensing didn't go through? No, I didn't know that. God, how cool would that have been? That would have been way cool. I mean, Hihachi... Yeah, I mean, they could have picked a cooler character from Tekken. Uh, but Yeah, like yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but Cloud would have fit better, too. I mean, Hihachi doesn't even have a weapon, really. So that was a missed opportunity for sure. But he came to Smash eventually, but not his first fighting game. <laughs> That's true. I have Airjacks. <laughs> <laughs> not going to be on this list, I have a feeling. But no, an, it's not. An, interest, an interesting game, to be <laughs> sure. I actually, I actually kind of hold that one a little dear, even though I don't, I don't have it. I've played it a little bit, and I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, yeah, it is interesting. But uh, Soul Calibur Two, like I said, it it had those three uh, unique characters between the different uh, platforms. Uh, it also introduced uh, a couple of new features. Uh, it had, you know your traditional arcade mode versus mode, things like that. But it also had a weapon master mode, which was basically a story, uh, a story mode that you also, you know, went through different like world maps and took on different challenges. Like you, they'd fight, you know, you, they'd pick a character for you to fight and they'd be like, well, you're poisoned and the floor is made of lava and you need to kill the enemy before you die. (laughs) 
Yeah, know, it's the first of... time I remember that. And uh, Mortal Kombat 11 kind of takes that to the next level, kind of crack the way they do it. But uh, it's it was done well in Soul Calibur 2. It's even more annoying than the things they did in that game, huh? It's, it's way more annoying. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that was that was cool because I'd never seen that in a fighting game up until that point. And the fact that they, you know, they had a story mode and they had RPG elements, your characters leveled up, you got you unlocked different weapons with uh different pros and cons to them, which you could also use in like versus modes and things against your friends. So there was just a, there was a ton of content. And it was like, cool too because the like the weird gimmick fights where you were you were poisoned or something they'd have like a story mode thing before and so like you were hit with a poison arrow before the fight and it would like, actually make sense. Yeah, it's just like, why did you add that detail? Just because it's cool? Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I and I mean, there's a ton of just like really cool characters in the the Soul Calibur uh, franchise. I'm I'm a Mitsurugi fan myself. Uh, the dude with the pole. What was his name? Keelik. Keelik, yeah. Yeah, he was he was kind of my go-to. I think he's kind of a, the generic guy of the series, but he was pretty good. Yeah, well, I'd say anybody from like the first game ended up just being a generic character in the series because they always went back to it or they had kids that looked exactly the same. <laughs> Seems to be a fighting game trope. Especially a Namco trope. Yes. Namco Bandai. But uh, I think Soul Calibur, I think, Definitely the staying power that it's had. I think it would have six titles now. One that just released last year. Yeah, I really want to get the sixth one. I've seen it go on sale a couple times, and there's just so much other stuff coming out that that I've skipped it. But I definitely want to try that one out. It looks good. It does look good, especially with the uh, the revamp with the uh, create a character. Like there's some really cool possibilities there, and I've seen a lot of really cool examples of people putting in maybe a little too much effort trying to get that uh, to work in their favor. Um, but I think the reason why the series has continued on so long is it's very, like I said, it's very approachable. It's got great controls, combats, uh, relatively flashy without being annoying. And, uh, it's, it's really one of the only fighting games, um, that I can think of besides like battle arena Toshinden, which doesn't exist anymore, where (laughs) weapons are the main focus of the combat. I like that. Are you talking about 3d fighter? I'd say Samurai showdown, but. Yes, 3D Fighter. Samurai Showdown would be the the main 2D one that I would throw against it. And that new one looks cool, too. Oh, my God. It does. Once that drops in price, too, it's another one I want to pick up. I just can't spend 60 bucks on it. You say you play the PS2 version? Yeah, that's the one I own, the PS2 version, because I have never really liked Link as a character, and so it's kind of out of spite I bought that one, just because the Xbox control... Is garbage for fighting games, so it was like, gotta get PS2. Yeah, it really is. I, I remember, like, those games didn't really bother me on the Xbox controller, but I remember I got Guilty Gear X2, like, Midnight Carnival, which was, like, the deluxe version of that game at the time. Oh, man, I had blisters all over my left hand. It was just like, this this sucks. Well, I had I, that, um, was that uh, SNK SBC Chaos game or whatever? God, that game was that awesome. Oh, I thought <laughs> yes. it was good. It I thought it was cool. Kin. <laughs> it had violent kin. It had some. Uh, it had some very interesting graphic qualities to it. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. quite Capcom versus SNK. That's for sure. No, it was. It, yeah, it was just. If Capcom versus SNK didn't exist, I probably would have. Been, I probably would have thought it was cooler, but it definitely seemed like a step down. 
Well, that was back when like a lot of like weird crossover fighting games were coming out, like Capcom Evolution or whatever. Okay, yeah, Capcom. Okay, it was better than Capcom Fighting Evolution. I'll give it that. Everything was. But yeah, there there seemed like there was a, a an iteration on that formula just coming out like every like four to six months back I then. I want to go back PS2. to that. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be awesome. That was that was for me. That was the heyday of fighting games for sure. But I mean, Soul Calibur too. It's didn't it get like a HD re-release like several years ago, or maybe that was on the PS3, like back in like 2012, 2013. I'm pretty sure it got an online HD re-release. It might it, have. I don't. I don't remember that, but I'm sure it probably did. Yeah, I think it actually had like online multiplayer, which is oh, nice. a cool addition. I don't know if it runs well, but uh, if anyone but, plays it anymore, but still, yeah. So it's not it's not hard to come by, and uh, I don't know. I actually don't know if that has the the unique characters. I bet it doesn't. It might have Heihachi. It probably does have Heihachi, but the licensing probably ran out on the other ones. I'd so. say so. Well, there's no and way it, if it's on PSN, it's got Link. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But those characters were way cooler than Darth Vader and Yoda. I know that. Oh yeah, that was especially from a guy that could care less about star wars like myself so wow. i'm kind of right there with you but uh <laughs> but i do like i i did kind of like the fact that they uh they they put some some interesting characters in their games and soul Calibur 2 is as far as i'm concerned it was the game it was the g- game in the series that i spent the most time with and i have the the best memories of uh, but i think that i think the franchise has only gotten better over time yeah, they've definitely stayed quality. I think there might have been a dip. I don't remember if it was kind of four or five. It was It was definitely, bit. well, it, I think people argue maybe three and four. Three was the one that started the uh, character customization, and it was on the, the PS2 as well. Uh, but that first one on the PS3 was kind of, it was pretty bare bones. Yeah, that's right. And five came, five's actually really good. Five came back to to be pretty solid, if I remember right. Yeah, that was the one where they like introduced like super moves and things of that nature for the first time. Yeah, and the character customization was a lot better. It wasn't just like pick a dude and he has the all of Mitsurugi's moves with a different haircut. You could call him Chuck. I would have. That's, that's <laughs> the character customization was in three. You literally just picked a character. You had all their moves. Like, okay, give them a different name. Well, three, you had like accessories and things you could put on them. They went a little bit further than that, but it, it definitely wasn't very deep. But now it, 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 it was a nice like Ninja drive. Turtles and all kinds of weird stuff out there. Oh yeah, they the system that they implemented seems like sky's the limit. Pretty oh, much, which is really cool. Oh yeah, I wish more fighting games did that. But because I, I the fact that you get a you obviously get a fight online, it's it, it's definitely fun to kind of show off your style. Uh, and, and get to design your classes the way, you know, you, you wouldn't like a, a massively multiplayer online RPG or something like that. So that's why transmog is cool, guys. I agree. Yeah, that's the end game. So, yes, yeah, Soul Calibur 2, sweet. Check it out or just any of the games in the, the series. All right, Buck, what is your last game of the day? I know oh, it's going to be a good one. It is a good one. It's multiplayer focused again. Okay, it's a platformer. Let's see. Do, do, do. It's not a platformer. <laughs> what? Okay. And kind of kind of a weird transition. 
You mentioned uh, getting blisters on your hand from playing Xbox. Well, oh boy. This game was like the ultimate game of getting blisters on your hand. On the Xbox? Are we are we nope, talking like on, No, we're talking 64. Oh, on the 64. We're talking Mario Party, one of them. Oh, absolutely. The first one, the only one where you had to like burn a hole in your hand. Oh boy. Was that the Mario uh... Party 1? Tug of War. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say, was there was there other mini games that made there you was do five that of them. There was there was tug of war. There was one where you were like canoeing, paddle battle. I think running in the bulb. No, that was, that was no. You didn't one. do that. I think you just tapped no. tapped a button and ran and maneuvered. Yeah, there was one of them where you were like on a bike trying to light up a bulb. Running the bulb was a four player multiplayer one. There's a one player game where you're on a bike trying to light it up where you had to burn a hole in your hand. I think we should just describe all of the different mini games and then just talk about the game afterwards. Because that's, <laughs> that's what Mario Party is about. Mario Party is just fantastic. It's like the ultimate game of just, you know, getting mad at your friends and screwing people over for no reason. Yeah, it's just yet another testament to how awesome of a multiplayer machine the 64 was. And, it and really Nintendo is. knew it. Because, man, that game is can be super frustrating. It's not particularly deep, but man, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's for sure. I I didn't ever own it, I think, when I was <laughs> when I was younger, but I remember we played a decent amount of it uh, when I was over at your place. And yeah, it got it got heated in there. I remember your <laughs> your your brother would lose his marbles sometimes. <laughs> that's true. To say the least. Not like that was unheard of or anything, but <laughs> it definitely wasn't. <laughs> Man, just like how close people would get to the TV when they were just like at the end of a mini game, and they were just like, "Get it, get it." <laughs> I'm just like, mm, that's a good game if people are getting like that engaged in like literally the most basic, just the most basic games. Period. Yeah, I mean these like games. Playing Simon is... Says with. <laughs> with a shy guy or something oh, yeah these mini games made the, the the super monkey ball mini games look incredible yeah, like rocket science yes but there was just how, how many were how many were there was there like 60 or 70 in the original I think there's 50 that's what i meant <laughs> but they're all very diverse and i don't remember any of them particularly getting old but there was there was just something about it and and every time, basically when you played, you played a, if anyone doesn't know Mario Party, it's basically a board game. If you play the original mode, you pick the amount of turns of of 20, like 20, 40, or 50, but we always pick 20 because that's going to take like an hour in itself. You take 50, that's like a freaking three or four hour marathon and everyone gets tired of it before that. Yeah. Because you're like playing turns. the mini game several times over at that point. Yeah, exactly. If you play 20 turns, you pretty much never get repeats on the mini games, which is nice. And it never wore out its welcome because if we were talking about the mini games, if you didn't play more than once of them, uh, one game a session, they didn't really get old. Man, right. there were some classics. Paddle Battle. Remember one where you had to like. Because there was there was two on two games, there's four player free for alls, and there was three on one games, and then if you landed on like a green spot, you could get to play a one player game just by yourself. Yeah, it was times. A, yeah, it was an interesting dynamic because you played the board game, and the point of it was obviously to get to the end of the board game, but along the way, you wanted to earn as many stars as you could. Because that's person, how you won. Yeah, whoever had the most stars at the end of the game won. 
And yeah. at the end of the game, too, you got judged. It seemed like almost randomly Toad would judge you on so I can, this guy was the happening star, and just give someone a random star for no reason. And you'd all be screaming, she's like, what? How'd that happen? Yeah, that was that was that was definitely odd, especially like when it was like a, a tight race. You earned those stars based on, you know, like the different roles that you got and, you know, like what spaces you landed on, but also based on you know winning the mini games. Uh, if I remember, no, no, that wasn't it. When you won the mini games, didn't you get coins and then you bought stars? At yeah, you got points? coins because they were like they were just different stars on every map. Like one of them, there might be, you know, Toad at the end of the map. You could buy a star from him for 20 coins. One might be. He was at like the top of a ladder, but it changed like every turn went between Toad and Bowser and Bowser would take all your money and Toad would give you a star. Literally, someone could go right in front of you and get Toad. And then right afterwards, you'd get up there and it'd be Bowser and it'd take like 50 coins. Yeah, for sure. And I think wasn't there like opportunities to like steal stars and things of that yeah, nature too? on chance time, like I could it could be like me, you and two other people and then I could land on the just random block and I could determine your fate. I could give all your stars to, you know, some other random person. But yeah, definitely cause some uh, shouting and get alliances would form and dissolve and good times. Yeah, those are, those are good memories. Couldn't fill a top hundred with uh, the N64 catalog, but man, there was, there was a good, I don't know, 10, 15, just like must have multiplayer games on that console. Yeah, that's one that I almost, since everyone is obviously, you know, spread out throughout the U.S., our friend group pretty much never busts out the 64 anymore. But man, if everybody was still here, like I'd be busting out that bad boy pretty regularly. Yeah, I think you guys need to do that more than you guys bust out Halo. It's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you should start uh, untangling your N64 controllers now. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember that spaghetti monster that you guys used to have. Well, I had the 64 in there, and the PS1 and Super Nintendo were all in there, too. Oh, that's right. Everything was just kind of one big cord. Yeah, so basically, I remember going to your house, and it was a lot like playing with the NES Classic controller, where the cord's only two feet away from the TV. (laughs) (laughs) But back then, Uh, we didn't care if we sat right in front of the TV. No, you had to, because the TVs were so small. (laughs) That's true, too. Yeah, that... uh, I don't remember. I don't actually remember your TV upstairs too much. But I remember uh, it was, it was like a, it was a reasonable like a size. 15 or 18 inch CRT. RCA TV. It was, yes, it was yeah. very small. I know. So you sat closer to it to make it more of a big screen TV. That's what you well, did plus, as a kid. You got to realize, unlike this 15 inch TV, we have four player split screen Mario Kart going. So, you know, everyone's got a solid four inches. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the youth of today would not. Uh, not appreciate that in the same way and then we would have to try and rearrange seats or get yelled at by my brother if he wasn't like sitting had to sit close to his top left position i always had to be first player and be sitting like in the perfect spot and then like you or dell would be sitting the furthest away from the (laughs) tv in like the bottom right corner like outside the hall almost yeah we'd be we'd be sitting like we'd be sitting like perpendicular to the tv (laughs) Uh, it's like peeking <laughs> in the room. I don't know what I'm doing, but if it was Dell, he was winning. I know that. <laughs> yeah, this car, no matter where he was sitting, he was winning. So, well, that was a good thing about uh, Mario Party. 
it, it was impossible to be like really consistently good at it. That's just <laughs> kind of just like the mayhem of uh, the way of just like the catch up mechanics and obviously dice rolls or dice rolls. So yeah, there's a lot of dumb luck factors involved for sure. A lot of RNG. Oh yeah, and I mean the fact that like literally every mini game comes down to no more than a joystick and one button typically. Like <laughs> yeah. anybody, anybody can play Mario Party on a pretty high level, <laughs> as long as you have a sock to put over your hand. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I always felt that was a little cheating, and I never brought my own socks to do that. So <laughs> <laughs> wasn't using your guys's. I didn't. Do, I didn't do that either. I just used to squeeze my hand together and like that little bit of like fatty tissue in between like your thumb and your hand. I would always try and like do the joystick thing on there. Was that better? Yeah, <laughs> that, feel... that's a pro tip right there to anyone playing the original Mario Party in 2019, 20 years later. That is a good one. That is a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, the, God, the, the 64 is a joystick, just that just like rigid piece of plastic. <laughs> it just it's got like min- five ridges in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not for comfort in any way. <laughs> it was just meant to slice through a child's hand like butter. So. <laughs> it is. Good, good stuff. Yeah, that's a good one to end on, man. Yeah, I, w- I was looking at my list. I'm, I'm excited about the, the games coming up. Games I haven't actually talked about on the show. <laughs> looking at the next five. Forget more I think MMOs. I, no, not a one. Assuming, <laughs> assuming this doesn't change, I got five very unique games to talk about next time. Pretty stoked about that. I do too. I got a, a pretty. I had a pretty unique list this time. I don't think I'd really touched on any of these games, so. No, you haven't. More of it next time, too. And you were right when you told me uh, before we started recording, yeah, I don't think any of these are going to be on your list. You said that with (laughs) the utmost confidence now that I heard them. (laughs) Yes. Although, I think I've played most of them, and they are all pretty good. Yeah, I thought Zone of the Enders was the only one that had a small shot. I knew the other four had, like, zero chance. Because you played most of them at my place. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like... Yeah, I, I would say... I would say actually Mario Party is probably the closest. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We've got uh, we've got 85 more games. It's going to be a long road, guys, but it's going to be a fun one. Trying to look next time. You you might have... No, I don't think you'll have any. You might have one or two for my next batch. You won't have any of mine, except for the one that you've already... One of them you've already had on your list. You've got, you got a small a shot at having one of my next ones, but that's about it. I don't think... I'd be surprised. That's all hearsay to the listeners. That's true. That's right. And to us, because we don't know what's on each other's list either. <laughs> That's true. We're going in as blind as possible. The best way. That's right. So I think uh, we'll wrap up the episode there. Buck, where can they find us? You can find us on uh, Twitter. We are at Gaming, and also on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. Go ahead and look us up. Give us a good old five-star review or however many stars you think we deserve on that day and uh, reach out to us ask us a question interact on there with us we'd love to hear your feedback absolutely and i mean suggestions for uh new episode topics things of that nature and what your favorite games are too and i'm getting pretty tired i think i might hit the hay early because i'm getting pretty excited to play borderlands 3 tomorrow oh man it does did that come out today or does it come out tomorrow well, it doesn't come out today. It actually comes out on Friday, but uh, there's a, a 9 p.m. release at my local GameStop. So 
tomorrow. Oh, God, tomorrow's Thursday, man. Wow. Yes. Good, Thursday. good stuff. And as always, I'm Chuck. And I'm Buck. And you've been listening to the Buck and Chuck Gaming Connection. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.